Folks, and welcome to episode 18 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. Peter, what's going on in the world this week? Um, Honestly, like, in my world right now, um, I'm doing a lot of planning and a lot of thinking about, like, you know, kind of like my own little work setup. It's, like, in the work. So it's, like, my own little do-it-yourself kind of project, even though I'm not really a handyman. But I got a idea in mind about a workspace slash gaming space that I really wanted to try and work on. And um, I'm already in the stages of, like, already um, mapping everything out, reorganizing some things in my house, and I'm hoping it will come like i'll go according to plan that's all i'm hoping for at this point yeah i mean right now is kind of the time to do it uh you know not much else going on in the world but um yeah i know i'm kind of in the same boat uh got a little play area for the little guy upstairs and um you know starting to uh ramble about ideas on what i can do down here in the uh in the man cave Uh, get a nice little display case i got a nice little stanley cup signed by johnny bauer um I've got uh, a nice little uh, bar area that I'd like to enhance a little bit. But, uh, yeah, now's the time, I guess, to do uh, do all those in-home renos, uh, you know, with, with uh, the world outside kind of being a little bit more questionable, let's call it. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because I've never been big on renovations because it seems like everything I touch, you know, the whole, like, whole charlie brown situation when he finds a tree and he tries to fix it up and every and it just ruins down with the little ornaments that's always me whenever i try to fix things or try to do things myself it always just seems to fall apart and break and i'm there just being like well there's my you know 1500s charlie brown moments right then and there so i don't know if i should be able to if i'm able to continue doing what i want to do or just let somebody else do it but you know what i'm you got to learn. Got to learn. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. And uh, th- when we uh, moved into this this house, uh, we decided we were going to gut the kitchen. I've never done plumbing. Mm-hmm. I've never done electrical. I uh, brought my father-in-law and my dad in. And, uh, man, did I ever learn a lot about uh, what it takes to kind of yeah. tear down a kitchen and rebuild it yourself. But, you know what, you kind of, you kind of have a little bit more appreciation for everything after you do it yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like you, I've never like I try to get someone or like try to look up someone who knows what they're doing in that regard. But if there's someone willing to teach me about plumbing and electrical work and stuff like that, great, because the only thing I know how to do is set up TVs and wires and everything. That's about as far as I've gone in terms of actual like renovations and setting up like little mini shelves. But yeah, I, I would love to try and learn that like just i i don't know how to put it i just want to like learn the basics of it so that way if something does come up and i try to do it i tried it and i need more help you know yeah no for sure um i i have to tell you about this uh this kind of neat moment that i had this week um i'm not sure if you're familiar with spotify and how they how they kind of give you your year-end wrap up the wrap yeah that was going around on twitter Oh, yeah. So 
I was at work the other day and I had uh, had a coworker come up to me and and show me his uh, his binge podcast of the year mm-hmm. and uh, sticks in the six uh, sticks in the six was his binge podcast of the yes. year so just kind awesome. of a neat moment for for me to to see that that kind of stuff is uh, is happening out there and obviously you know huge thanks to everybody that does tune in does listen but uh, yeah that was that, that was just kind of one of those neat moments for me and uh you know kind of makes it worth it when you see people uh doing that kind of stuff absolutely that is that is great to hear I, i'm i didn't i didn't know that they that um actually i saw josh bell post his top five wrapped um podcast as well i didn't know i thought it was just strictly music but no that's good that you know that people actually do appreciate us and they take the time to listen. So whoever does tune in again, we say this every single week. Thank you so much. I mean, we really do appreciate that. I'm curious, Andrew, what were your top five songs or artists that were wrapped up in Spotify? If you do listen, or if you didn't, what would you guess as? So my top five artists, um, I know NF was my top artist. Um, I'm not sure if how many people are familiar with NF, but uh, definitely uh, I I kind of have that R&B hip hop kind of mm-hmm. vibe going on. Um, that said, like I'm a whole mix of of uh, you know different um, different kind of music. Like I I grew up on country. My dad was a my dad was a Conway Twitty type of guy, but ah. Uh, yeah, yeah, my my top artists were NF, Eminem, Dax, Halsey, and then uh, Tom Walker to kind of close it out. So a little bit of acoustic uh, acoustic love there at the end. Good mix, good mix. Yeah, I, I I appreciate the like again like you would never you would never think, especially if you're dedicated to like mainly listening to just one full genre. But there are some certain songs that come in that just creep in that you always put on replay and everything like that, that it just pushes others out. So that's really great to see or, or not see, but great to hear that, that you got a mix going on. Yeah. I, I have got to admit like the other night I had my, uh, my AirPods in AirPods, sorry. And, um, AirPods, my AirPods in and, uh, I was uh, I was tuning into the new uh, Miley Cyrus uh, album and like this this album like you got to have a lot of respect for for what she's doing mm-hmm. like different from what she started out as big oh, time yeah. difference and it's some of the some of the songs are pretty impressive so I mean if you haven't tuned in it might not be for everybody but I would you know take a listen and and you know I'm sure there's at least one song on that new album that uh, will really you know catch somebody's attention. Mm-hmm. That's the case with every artist, even if you like can't stand the artist or like you have not necessarily beef, but there are reasons why you don't like an artist. There's always one song that you're going to like, no matter what. I mean, yeah. I remember like in like, obviously, you know, I don't I'm not a big fan of Justin Bieber. I'm going to flat out straight it. I don't I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people that are not fans of him. But then, you know, he's got a big fan base no matter what. But there's a song that he came out with DJ Snake. And that was the one song that I have with Justin Bieber that I listened to nonstop. I never said I would listen to him, but that's the one song that I listened to. Yeah, no, 100%. I was I was going to actually mention him as well because I've been listening to uh, with Benny Blanco, Lonely, right now. Ooh. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of my jam uh, lately. A little Justin Bieber and uh, <laughs> and Benny Blanco. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's. 
like you said, everybody kind of finds something with it, with uh, you know every artist. So mm-hmm. uh, you just gotta you gotta find that right song. That's all. Absolutely, there's always that one. Hundred um, percent. So let's jump into some of the hockey news that happened this week. Uh, yes. Obviously, you know a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but um, you know I, I was reading earlier that there was a comment made by uh, Gary Bettman that. T- the potential to be back to normalcy for the NHL in 2021-22 is high. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, if, if you've tuned into our podcast, you know that we talk a lot about COVID and what's going on around the world right now. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the potential of it being back to normalcy in 2021-22 at this point in time? Um. I think we'd all like to get back to some sort of normalcy. I mean, let's face it, no matter no matter what you're talking about today, I mean, well, this year, COVID's obviously going to come up because it's affecting everything that we do, no matter what. As much as you'd like to say, oh, my God, enough of the COVID already. Well, let's face it, it, it affects everything that we do. And sports is one of them. It's a major factor. It's part of our lives that we, you know, we like to watch. We like to go out. We, it, It's like a massive, you know, it's a massive fan base. It's like bigger than kind of comic-con so to speak everybody watches sports right um i honestly think that this is something positive and you know not to dwell too much on COVID, but with vaccines and treatments already being in the works about role uh enrollments and getting that out to start vaccinations it's a good step and i think with you know if everything goes smoothly we can have sort of a normal 2021 22 sorry no 2021 20 i i'm losing track of the years now 2021 there we go thank you andrew um yeah um if we have this season like this year still kind of be in that mix between you know being very very cautious about what you're doing while still being optimistic in 2021 2022 which is going to be next year not this year sorry um we can get back to that normal aspect i think especially if you're looking to get fans in at some point um depending on how the vaccinations go you could try and maybe do maybe 25 percent capacity if and only a big if if it's safe but i like the projection where he's at right now because we all need something have like we all need some good news right this is this is really great it's what we all needed to hear like nonetheless yeah no i think i think right now it depends entirely on who you talk to um mm-hmm. obviously any sports fans have kind of been following the nfl at this point as it's one of the only major four sports that uh is running with some sort of normalcy um mm-hmm. And if you have been, you've noticed that the Baltimore Ravens and uh, Steelers game was postponed three times yeah. due to COVID outbreak with the Ravens. Um, now it's now they're saying that there was four different strains of COVID in the uh, Ravens facility with one player testing positive for 10 straight days. Um, so it's, I mean, I think there's still a lot of unknown right now with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and because of that, uh, like you, you still get the pessimists who, who are thinking that, this is going to be normal is going to be wearing a mask for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I spoke to one person, uh, you know, a couple, a uh, couple days ago where they, they thought, you know, this is what normal is going to be for the rest of our lives. And I, I said, you know what, I, you know, I'm not ready to, to, to jump on that bandwagon at this point in time. I think, mm-hmm. I think, you know, 
obviously they're working towards what they can, you know, what they can do to kind of change that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, I think it all depends on who you talk to. I think yeah. Bettman is being an optimist uh, in terms of trying to kind of get the NHL back on track. Obviously, it's a huge financial burden um, for the league and for teams to not have fans in the seats. Um, obviously, you can still sell, you know, uh, memorabilia and all that kind of stuff on the side. But that being said, you, you you know, you don't have that financial aspect the same way you would if you had fans in the seats. So I think yeah. that's a huge thing, and I think for him, um, obviously they want to see the league get back to normal. They want to see fans in the seats. It changes the game immensely when you have those those people there to to, to cheer on their home home team. So, um, you know, I think part of it is him being an optimist, but part of him part of it is him wanting to believe that yes, in in a year's time we're going to be back to normalcy. You know, get this 52 or 56 game season out of the way and, you know, suddenly we can jump back and, and have somewhat of a normal league come, t- uh, you know, October of 20, uh, 2021. So, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest Batman Batman fan. But that being said, I'm going to jump on uh, on his shoulders here and kind of just ride this one out with him. So. I'd like to see a little bit of normalcy in 2021. Um, that being said, I mean, it's a waiting game at this point. I think we just, uh, it's a wait and see. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot, a lot of people are like you. No one's a really big fan of Bettman, considering like, you know, some of the things that he said in the past about concussions and everything like that. Um, but what we can agree on is the fact that he's trying to his best to maneuver the league in a tight situation especially where he knows that teams are going to struggle and he's doing his best to try and keep everything level and everything steady i'm just gonna uh to try and even show even more optimism about sports and everything like that look at what's happening at other parts of the world you look at australia you look at japan you look at china right now they're starting to get the situation under control and especially in Japan, where you were able to have fans go in with masks and they and apparently they were able to watch baseball. And this is like still months ago when, you know, the pandemic was still kind of like raging on in certain parts of the world. And they were still able to get back to some sort of normalcy, obviously still wearing masks and everything like that. But they were in a good spot. The only way we could get to that spot is if we all do our do our part. And. I know we talked about this last week. It's difficult. I know we've had enough, but we can be like Australia. We can be like Japan. We can get to the point where we are like China. It can be mitigated if we get everything under control and it can work. That's why I'm optimistic about the whole sports thing and getting fans back into the stadium as soon as possible if we all do our part. Yeah, it's about buying in, right? And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously that's, uh, that's something we've, we talked about last week a little bit and, and it's almost like having, having your own hockey team, but in real, like in the whole general idea of life is, is get, get people to buy in. And, and, you know, if people are willing to go to games and wear masks, then yeah, you can potentially yeah. have that back in, you know, late next year. But the, the, the thing is, I think people are so caught up in this, this anti-mask BS that uh, mm-hmm. you know you got people on a day-to-day basis that are trying to trying to fight it and that take like 
going from that, I mean, look at the Canucks uh, anthem singer. Yeah. Um, wanted to sing. This week. Yeah, I wanted to wanted to sing at an anti-mask rally, and you know, good good on them for saying, you know what, see you later. Can the guy, can his ass, and get him out of there because mm. in in this, whether you believe it is a real thing or not, people are getting sick, people are dying. Okay, um, for you for you to come out and just say like, hey, yeah, I'm going to sing at an anti-mask rally. That is the most ignorant thing you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And you had it made. You had it made for yeah. singing for an NHL team. I mean, that's like look at look at the Boston Boston singer. He's he's got Stanley Cup rings because he was such a big part of the team. Rene Rancourt. Uh, Rene Rancourt. And now Legend. like yeah. And 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 now you you you've kind of shit all over that by saying that hey, I uh, I'm gonna sing at this anti-mask rally. You know what? Get out of here. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Your time is done. Um, it, it, this is this is a time where you're you're gonna show your true colors, and I think uh, I think like I said, good on good on the um, on the Canucks for for getting rid of them. They're prioritizing safety. I mean, let's face it. It's this. You would you would want to do good for everybody else, right? You want to protect everybody else, not just yourself, everybody else around you. What's more effective than doing the only thing possible than just wearing a mask? That's it. It's not it, It's not impeding on how you go about everyday life. I was able to go out into the world or go in public when, you know, everything was relatively low at around 50 or 70 cases, wear a mask. It didn't affect my breathing. It didn't affect anything. And it protected myself and everyone else around me. Isn't that what you want to do? Like, it. Again, sports aside for a second, this is about looking out for everyone else. You want to get to the point where you can go and watch sports and do everything else. But until we look out for one another, that's a distant memory. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, obviously, like we mentioned it before, we don't want to talk too much about COVID. We do have a couple more COVID related stories here. Mm-hmm. Um, just it seems like it's a weekly occurrence with us. Um Obviously, a COVID outbreak amongst the Mount Royal University Cougars. Um, you know, the, for anybody in Canada, the West Coast has been hit pretty hard yeah. with uh, COVID cases, especially Alberta, uh, Manitoba. Um, so they're kind of dealing with that right now. Um, and and on the other side of things, heading more east, uh, the QMJHL has announced that it's going to shut down or it'll shut down from uh, early December uh, all the way to January January 3rd. Um, due to due to what's going on in, in the province of Quebec and some of the uh, east uh, eastern provinces, so um, big news for the Q. Um, obviously, you know some of the, the the two other CHL leagues were kind of looking at the Q as as the uh, the um, I guess model to mm-hmm. follow after with them getting underway. Um, but uh, that being said, obviously, you know they had to shut things down and. Again, it's for the safety of their players, the safety of their staff, and making sure that everybody, you know, makes it out of this and and comes back stronger. Yeah, and if the WHL and OHL are looking at this, it's how you're going to manage everything outside before you come into the arena, because that's how this is happening. It's it's you're not getting COVID in the stadium when you're playing hockey. You contract it outside and bring it in, which causes all the positive tests, the lockdowns and everything like that. Um, it needed to happen. It was just becoming a mess. And 
until the other leagues figure out how to get everything control on the outside, then you can do what you want to do on the inside, playing the games, keeping sure everything is safe. And again, NHL is the perfect model for it. I don't think they were following it to a T. But what's sad is, you know, it well, not uh, not, not sad. It's it gives this to break the teams, the players, gives them a chance to regroup, spend some time with, you know, their families or bill of families, enjoy the time that they have, because it seems like a time where the situation might be taking a toll on them mentally and they want to look out for their well-being. Take the time off, regroup, get everything under control so that you could get back to your original plan and for the queue during that time to try and reevaluate their situation. How can we keep it on the how can we mitigate this so that way we can still play the 64 games? Well, realistically, they were going to play 64 games, but that's not going to be the end goal right now because some teams have already played 16, 18. Some have only played five to eight or even 10. So you got to reimagine how this is going to play out right now. And I would assume that the OHL and WHL are keeping a close eye on this so they can try and figure out what they can do differently where the QMJHL fell. Yeah, no, 100%. And like I said, you know what, if, if it comes down to not not playing the season because you want to keep uh, players safe, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. that's not what we want. But at the same time, we want the players to be safe. So yep. um, I think it's a good move by the Q in terms of uh, just – you know, closing it down for a month. Make sure you're make sure you've got the pro- the proper protocols in place uh, that you're protecting everybody, and you, you know you can get back to it in the new year and close out the season um, in a safer environment. Yeah. Um, and and you know for for with that it could be as simple as doing what you know the uh, NWHL is doing with the Isabel Cup and and just yeah. kind of putting into a bubble, right? And then mm-hmm. we we saw the success that that had with the NHL playoffs. Um, you know that's. I think that's the best possible move. Obviously, it's easier with a with a six team league uh, yeah. to do that, but um, you know it's got to be something that they consider with with the times the way they are. How are they going to you know um, kind of move forward in a in a safe environment, um, both for the players and the staff, and still get get to play their season? I think the the NWHL right now has it right in in shutting shutting kind of all their players and all their teams into this little bubble mm-hmm. and running the league through that. And uh, obviously that's something that we're excited to see um, the Toronto six get to play their, their inaugural season in this bubble. And it's going to be uh, uh, me personally. I hope they televise this stuff. I, I, I want to see it. I want them to, to put the, the NWHL on Sportsnet. I think they should pick it up and, and get, uh, get some more exposure for the, for the women uh, of that league. Absolutely. And who wouldn't want to see some of the bigger names that are coming out of like women's hockey right now? And I I know this isn't what the Toronto Six had in mind, especially in their inaugural season. But you know what? This could be sort of like motivation, not just for them, but for every team. I mean, it was motivation for all the NHL players. It was motivation for um, the WNBA, NBA, all these other leagues that went into a bubble to show that, you know, there is strength in sports that they can come out on top. And I'm hopefully that they could accomplish the same thing. If um, they follow the same protocols. I mean that again, it's when you're talking about a bubble, that's the only thing you can really talk about is, and the only one that to have it done successfully out of all the four major pro sports. Well, actually two, technically the NBA and the NHL did a fantastic job with their bubble systems. So 
to have those leagues, I, I wouldn't even go to throw in the WNBA because they were able to get through that. Props to them for, you know, powering through and doing a really great job, keeping everybody safe there. Those three leagues, they've done a great job. It can be done. It's, a, I mean, there's really no other way to look at it. I mean, you really can't go more in depth with, okay, you got to do more testing, this, that. If both league, if the multiple leagues have done it, it's a perfect roadmap for everyone else. I mean, but the fact that they are moving to this bubble system shows that, you know, they have faith. And you know what? It is a little bit easier. Like you said, six teams compared to like 24, 16. Um, it's going to be less com- it's going to be less competition, but there's going to be less bodies to worry about in terms of keeping everybody safe. So I think they got that going for them in that regard. Yeah, no, and just while we're on it, I, you know, how exciting for the Toronto Six to finally get their their season underway. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a big moment for the city of Toronto to get an NWHL team, first Canadian team in the league. Um, I just think it's a great, uh, great opportunity to to build that game and build that league and and get to a level where you know these these women are being paid at the the proper level. Uh, you know, um, for doing what they do, um, you know, they are professional athletes and we talk about professional athletes and their pay all the time. It's time that we start to focus on, you know, paying the, these women the, the, the same way that, uh, their counterparts are paid as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I think there's someone that they could really thank for that. Anya Parker for helping out, get that 30% increase for their, um, league uh, player salaries. And I, I think this serves as a perfect segue because she was named the top 30 under 30 for 2021 because of her impact and her ability to highlight women's hockey right now. And first off, just congratulations to her about that. But this is something big in women's hockey right now. And she and Anya Pocker is leading the forefront for women right now. Yeah, I just wanted to note um, on that, the the Forbes under 30. Uh, class of 2021 is 40% women, 49% people of color, and 100% the brightest young leaders in the U.S. and Canada. So, I, I first off, I think those numbers, the, the first two I read out, they're 40% and, and 49%, still on the lower side of what we'd like to see. But at the same time, we're starting to see an increase in terms of yes. the respect given to, one, women, but two, the people people of color. And I think that's important, especially in the times that we're going through right now with everything that was going on in the States, everything that was happening in Canada. Um, just the focus to be on that kind of stuff, uh, I think it continues that conversation that we obviously had in, in previous episodes mm-hmm. um, and, and will continue to increase that the the where the um wherewithal when it comes to that uh, that conversation so i think that's important i think it's huge um i love it congratulations to anya parker um you know obviously uh, they they've got uh they've got a little one as well and uh so i kind of stay mm-hmm. stay up to date on on her her twitter post but uh, again somebody else i'd love to get on the on the episode or on, on the show i mean um i think it'd be it'd be great for women's hockey to try and get her on and i think it'd be great for our show to just have that kind of influence uh to come on the show and, and speak to us about you know what's going on with the nwhl what's going on with the women's hockey what's going on yeah. with life as a professional athlete mother um mm-hmm. you know like just tie it all in for us i think that's a it's a great opportunity and uh 
you know, if you're listening, obviously, uh, we'd love to get you on at some point uh, down the road. Absolutely. And I mean, you just said you just said it all right there. And also, she was one of the one of the many who stood up against Mike Mowbray, who made, you know, inappropriate comments during one of the broadcasts about Tuka Rass and about um, comparing fanless NHL games to women's college hockey, which was, you know, kind of, you know, insulting, really. Um, how awesome would it be if we get to see her replace Mike Milbury and she becomes one of the best NHL color analysts that we have seen in quite some time right now? That'll be huge for the game. Yeah, I think, you know, now's the time to, to make those moves. Um, I think it's it's important uh, to to kind of, you know, make changes and, and like I said, continue the conversation. If, if we mm-hmm. let it die off... Um, you know, you you don't uh, you you don't all of a sudden the conversation's gone, and, and that's the mistake that we've made in the past. And the whole the whole thing about like history lessons is that you learn from the past and don't do it again. Yeah. And uh, I think that's important. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we talk so much about how Ted Lindsay was a was a big uh, big contributor to the uh, NHLPA, um, and you know. Uh, Anya Packer is uh, is huge for the uh, for the NWHL uh, PA. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all kudos to her, and and hopefully, you know, we can get uh, we can get her on, and, and hopefully, she she progresses and becomes a, a mainstay in in uh, hockey media down the road. Absolutely, hundred percent. Jumping over to the World Juniors, um, you know, we we mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier on with uh, COVID happening. William Eklund will not be making the uh, Swedish team this year mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of unrelated to COVID. But the uh, New York New York Rangers mentioned that they will not release uh, Alexis Lafreniere to uh, be a part of uh, the Canadian squad this year in um, you know, thoughts on thoughts on this for uh, for Canada and Sweden, um, um, Peter, going forward. I think Lafreniere, obviously, we saw what he could do last year, and I, I don't think he needs to be back this year. Um, obviously, if the NHL is not going, it's not underway. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to get him into some game action. That said, I don't think he has anything left to prove except for at the NHL level. Would we have liked to have seen Alexi Lafreniere go for a second, you know, gold medal? Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't really want it? I mean, it's this probably could have been just like this COVID-19 lockout season. If you were to get more NHLers involved, it could have been easily relatable to the 2004-05 tournament with the lockout happening, where where you had so many NHL caliber prospects going to the World Juniors. I was very skeptical at the beginning with this. I mean, I wasn't sure what was going to happen i still thought i was planning the roster as if left uh lafreniere was not going and i guess they wanted to focus on you know the upcoming season it's as simple as that same situation with the doubles and jack hughes right um no matter how you look at this man i this is still a really offensive heavy team canada lineup up front and with names like dylan cousins kirby doc quentin byfield um Connor Zaries during those exhibition games or red and white games those players were actually stepping it up Bowen Byram Jamie Drysdale Tristan Lennox Brett Bro- Brochu who's surprising many this is so going to be a very competitive team with or without Lafreniere 
And I, again, I would love to see him go up and tear it up. But again, like you said, he's got nothing to prove. Um, it's, yeah, it, 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 I, I'm, I was just being realistic at that point. It's, it, there's really not much else to say. Fo- let him focus on his development. Let him get ready for the NHL season because I think he has a really good chance of being rookie of the year. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, he's got nothing left to prove. Let let him focus on the development. Obviously, the NHL game is where he wants to be and, and you know, what's next for him. And, um, you know, I still, obviously, we're seeing a few names uh, not on the list for, for teams in particular. And, you know, we, we talk about a best-on-best best, uh, tournament. And, uh, you know, this is kind of that for the under-20. But at the same time, um, you know, you want players to develop and become the the legitimate stars that they're supposed to be, and I don't think, I don't think they'd be doing him justice in sending him to the uh, the World Juniors if if in fact that there was a uh, you know a, a Rangers camp to be at and, and to be involved in. So, and I think that's mm-hmm. you know obviously the NHL is aiming to get going in January, so it just makes more sense to have him outside that Edmonton bubble and. Uh, you know, playing playing with the the Rangers when when everything's set to get going. Yeah, absolutely. And in regards to like, I know I know you mentioned this at the top, um, or just before I got into La- we got into Lafreniere, William Eklund, who's supposed to be a, I'm projecting him as a top 15 pick, could even go as high as 10 with the with the way that he's going uh, early on in the SHL over in Sweden, and he's just lighting it up, and. Lafreniere's offensive capabilities is going to be replaced in the lineup. It's going to be, I mean, Sweden still has like powerful weapons in, the, in their offense, but to have someone as young and as offensively gifted as William Eklund, who I think if he was on this team, I mean, I still think Sweden as a major contender to win it. It's a big blow to team Sweden to lose him as a result of a positive test. I mean, it, there's, you look at like, the lineup of like Lucas Raymond, Alexander Holtz, Simon Robertson has a good chance as another 2021 draft pick, but William Eklund stands above the rest and it's going to be tough to replace him knowing the fact that he was on a hot start or on a tear before heading into this. And it's just a real unfortunate situation that he's in right now. Yeah, I know a hundred percent. And obviously like we've talked about a number of times already on, on this episode is just, looking out for player safety, you know, obviously you can't, you can't bring him. Uh, you don't want him to get worse. You don't want other players to, to kind of catch what's going on, going around. Um, so, you know, we'd love to see him there, but that being said, you know, you want to focus on, on making sure that everyone's safe and uh, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough break for the kid. Mm-hmm. And again, like so young too. I mean, he, he was probably looking forward to this opportunity, especially when he was named at a roster. I mean, who wouldn't, right? And now this, it just gets derailed. I mean, it, it can like, how can it not have an impact on you? Yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a blow to the confidence, but at the same time, like you have to look at it from a, a different standpoint, if you're him as well and say, look, mm-hmm. I was named to the roster. It's not that I'm not good enough. It's the fact that, you know, obviously, you know, bad break in the world right now and it's it's just yeah. a very 2020 moment uh for him to to get covid after being named to the the roster and uh you know it just it's it's unfortunate but at the same time you you, you got to look at it 
rebounding and coming back stronger and and uh you know work on your development in your in your home league rather than uh rather than uh you know playing at the at the world junior level yeah if if you're listening out there if you haven't had a chance to watch william eklund play go on twitter there are countless clips of him pulling off moves great speed and everything like that you could see why we're highlighting him right now because he's a really special player for this draft and many in the scouting community on Twitter and online are thinking the exact same thing. He is a really, really, really good player. So go out, check him out, see what he can do. Cause he's one of my favorite players in this draft for me right now. Before we get into the, the Maple Leafs talk here, I did, uh, mm-hmm. I did want to say that it just came across my, um, my Twitter feed that uh, Maxime Lapierre uh, has officially retired from the game of hockey. Um, those of you who don't remember Lapierre, he played with the Montreal Canadiens, the Anaheim Ducks, Vancouver Canucks, uh, St. Louis Blues, and Pittsburgh Penguins over his NHL career. Um, the last five years, he's played overseas in the in the uh, Swedish league, uh, Swiss league, and the the, uh, the German DL. So um, obviously, you know. One of those guys that you hated to play against, but uh, didn't mind having on your team. I uh, was a second-round pick, 61st overall in 2003 by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, over his NHL career, he played 614 regular season games and had 139 points to go along with his 586 penalty minutes. So it's worth uh, worth uh, looking at. Uh, and obviously, again, he was he was a part of the uh, Canadian Olympic team in 2018 when the NHLers did not go so mm-hmm. um yeah just uh just one of those grinder uh, type pests that you, you like i said you hated having uh having play against you but uh you, you know you would love to have on your team so you know best of luck to him moving forward and um hopefully he uh he enjoys retirement the same way he enjoyed running around on the ice uh playing that rat role <laughs> yeah i mean uh, first of all, nothing but the best of him. I mean, huge congratulations on a really, really long career. And ho- I hope that, that like, everything works out for him in the long run. Um, just looking at his penalty minutes, man. 2003-04 with the Prince Edward Island Rocket. 138 penalty minutes in 67 games. 139 and 69 the year after. 130 in 2011-2012. And even in 2018-19. 112 minutes in the Swiss A-League with Lugano. That is crazy, man. That is absolutely insane. For him to like still have that high energy and fit and physicality and ability to go after everybody at that, even at that age, that's pretty damn good. He's still 35. 35. So he still he had a lot in the tank at that time. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And uh last note, like I said before we get into the Maple Leafs, uh I, I just want your thoughts on Mike Hoffman. Um, number one free agent still out there in, in my eyes, uh, but a guy that still has yet to sign an NHL contract. What do you think he's waiting for? Do you think he's waiting for this COVID stuff to end or, or do you think he's just, you know, waiting out his options to see, you know, what, what maybe comes forward? I, I mean, like, like we've talked about many times, this is, this is a salary cap that's going to be very stale over the next two seasons. Um, is he maybe biting off more than he can chew or, or what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, if he's waiting for COVID to go away, it's not going to go away anytime soon. 
I mean, if that if that's one of the main reasons, I mean, obviously we don't know exactly what his reasons are, but um, judging from an article from NESN.com that was written on October 30th by Logan Mullen, it looks like that it was, Pierre LeBrun reported that teams are lowballing offers to him mm-hmm. as, which is a reason why he's still holding out. And. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a sharpshooter. He's one of the top scorers in the game. But I'm thinking that maybe it's because he's, if I remember correctly, and I wish I, I'm going to try and go to natural stat trick as quick as possible and see what the goal differential is in terms of his 5v5 and his... Um, power play because we all know that he likes to set up on that right hand side for that one timer he likes to rip that but the difference in his 5v5 goals and power play I think it is a significant impact as to why he may be unsigned simply because okay yeah you can score you know on the power play is that all we're going to pay you the big bucks for are you going to do more at five on five? And that's where I'm really interested to see the numbers in terms of that regard. Yeah, no. And uh, I, I kind of wonder, you mentioned low balling, but I kind of wonder how much of it is low balling and how much of it is just teams cannot afford to give them a, a, a big, a, a, you know, a big size contract at this yeah. point in time. I just don't think the money's there. And, uh, that's where, you know, we talked about it when free agency was going on. Maybe maybe you have to take that small contract this year, go out and and score 35 goals and come back next year and maybe get that bump in salary. But I don't know. I, I just, for me, I just don't think he's going to get the contract he's looking for uh, with everything that's going on right now from the financial standpoint of the NHL. Yeah, and it's... It's really difficult in that, you like, I understand he wants it, but again, you brought up a good point. He just can't afford it right now. And if he's trying to go to a contender, that's going to be even more difficult. His best bet is probably maybe to try and take a contract on a team that's not even close to contending for one year and then see where it plays out, as you just mentioned. Um, I'm looking at, I went to natural Statric right now, 11 goals on the power play. At even strength for this year, he had 18. So there is not that much of a gap as what I was expecting of before. But you know his impact to be a really deadly shooter on the power play. Um, It's, uh, again, it's a difficult situation right now. It's hard to pinpoint out where um, he's going to go and even for what. Uh, LeBron, Pierre LeBron in the same article... It's just one-year deals ranging from 3.5 to 4 point million as the range. 29 goals in 69 games last year. Obviously, with a 30-goal score, you're not going to pay him 4.5 million, and he's not going to sign on that. So, again, interesting situation. I, I kind of wish I was an insider right now to get more information than just what's being reported right now and try and give more, but... It's it's difficult. Every player is in a difficult situation right now. I honestly thought Taylor Hall would sign for less to try and bet on himself, but he signed an $8 million deal. So 
think Mike Hoffman is looking at Taylor Hall's contract now and possibly saying, well, if Taylor Hall got $8 million, why can't I get something, you know, roughly in my same range that I want or even just as much as him for one year, you know? Yeah, I guess my, my only argument there is that, you know, Taylor Hall's got the MVP award to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and right now, I mean, with Hoffman's history of, of kind of what he what he did in uh, in Ottawa, I mean – you know, there's still that there's still a lot of people that question him out there. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of team guy is he? Uh, you know, is he a guy that can come into a dressing room and and and, and je- mesh with the team and gel gel the team together? Is is he maybe not that glue guy? Maybe yeah. he's maybe he's for Mike Hoffman, and and that's where you know I I would argue take the take the four year four million dollar deal and, and go out there and score another 30 goals and prove mm-hmm. to people that you can be that that team player you're going to get the contract he's still a young guy he's still yeah. got some hockey ahead of him um I I think right now you're just looking for something that's not there and that's uh that's a big contract yeah I mean, if you, he can replicate that 2018-19 season where he scored 36 and scored 70, that's going to be huge for him. But this time around, he had 59 points. It's his second lowest mark that ties the 2015-2016 season. He had 56 and then 48. The, sorry, his third lowest, 56 and 48. Um, 56 being in 2017-18 and 48 being in 2014-15 when he started off. Um, in his, I guess his second full year with the Ottawa Senators. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how this will play out. And there are still like a lot of other names that are still unsigned that even in a depth role that I'm pretty sure you can still find a place for him as opposed to Mike Hoffman. If you know, he's really garnering the big bucks and still not budgeting at this point. Yeah, no. And I, um, like I said, I think teams are just kind of waiting to see what, uh, what's happening out there uh, when the NHL season is going to get underway. And um, then they'll kind of fill the, the remaining spots as, as camp gets underway and allow players to almost earn a spot on the, on mm-hmm. the team. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up and, and for how much. Do you think that he can go or if he remains unsigned, do you think that he'll just jump ship and go over to, you know, the uh, uh, SHL, KHL? Do you see him playing in another league, or do you just fully see him as an NHLer at this point? I, you know, I, I think, I think there's the potential that he could jump ship, uh, even for the year, just play the year mm-hmm. over there, sign a one-year deal, and and see what happens. But, um, like I said, I think he's a guy that's kind of more focused on on getting what he's worth, and, and right now I just don't see that being available in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, do uh, do I? I think he. Belongs in the NHL? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but I just think with the year the way it's been, um, you know, there's there's way too many questions for teams, both on the financial side and the personnel side, that, you know, maybe he doesn't fit in at this point in time. Yeah. And there's also that whole contract negotiation that was previously reported that Bettman says that they're not trying to renegotiate their previously agreed upon return to play contractor cba so that in itself was a whole other question before this even broke out but or after this broke out so i think maybe i'm not sure if the cba had anything to do with it as well because the players are still forking over you know a portion of their salary because of this so 
Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be, again, I, I, I said this before, and it's probably the only thing that I can say right now. It's going to be interesting to see how this will play out because he's still, well, he is the marquee name on the market right now. Yeah, and uh, we we mentioned a little bit about leadership and, and what can bring a room together. Um, jumping into the Maple Leaf talk, uh, you know, we discussed a little bit last week, and obviously, you know, you're working on a piece right now at the Hockey Writers uh, mm-hmm. discussing Maple Leafs leadership. Um, do the Maple Leafs have the right leadership team put together right now? Uh, obviously, you know, John Tavares is wearing the C. Uh, you got guys like Marner and uh, and Riley and Matthews all wearing the A's. Um, is this the right group of players to to lead this Maple Leaf squad into a playoff and through a playoff? Uh, uh, obviously, a tough playoff run. Short answer: Yes. I mean, they're your go-to players. You want them to succeed. You want them to put you want to put them in a leadership role. And I think we started to see that with more. I mean, we obviously saw that with Morgan Riley the previous years and this year, which I think it was reported that he willingly gave up his power play time on the first line to try and get Tyson Berry going. I mean, if that's not a team player, I I really don't know what is. But you want Austin Matthews to to take the next step. You want Mitch Marner to take the next step. You have a captain in John Tavares, which I think, you know, there's debate whether he could be a little bit more vocal or not in certain situations, because there are times last year where he was called upon and it seemed like he was trying to go the Mike Babcock route and just say the same thing over and over again without any substance. You have Jake Muzzin, who has, you know, called out the team many occasions, especially when it was a really, really bad effort. You have Jason Spezza right now. That didn't seem enough. Going after Joe Thornton, going after Wayne Simmons, going after Zach Bogosian, who recently just won a cup, turned his season or his career around. Wayne Simmons, I know, isn't going to take, you know, anything from any of the young players. He's going to be a vocal. uh, He's going to be very vocal on the bench, on the ice and in the locker room. And again, Joe Thornton really can't say anything about him. I know when we had Dark Eye on a couple of weeks ago. He said that Joe Thornton isn't going to take anything lightly with this team. If there's going to be something where he sees is not right, even if he's not the captain, he's going to call somebody out on him. And the fact that we have now more more leadership or more players with those kind of qualities in the locker room right now, as opposed to just two or three, could go a long way. You can't just have a roster that's not built around those intangibles, because if you're only fully so focusing on one aspect, it's not going to go well for you at all. And the fact that Dubis realized that, and he said something <clears throat> needed to change, bringing the, of those three as in to try and help the young group and get them going. I think it's going to be a really good year, although very short. I don't know who's going to resign at the end of this year or if the message sinks in or not. But it was the right move, and it needed to be done. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, how many how many years do you go by with this kind of team or this kind of leadership group in place and bringing in veteran guys like Joe Thornton who play almost like a secondary leadership role? Mm-hmm. Um, it just as some, something has to has to happen where 
you know, maybe maybe Tavares isn't the guy who who leads vocally in the dressing room, but maybe he's a guy that leads on the ice. And if that's the case, you need him to step up his game come playoff time. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 a skilled forward. Maybe you don't you're not the quickest of feet, but at the same time, you've got to be able to 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 put in that instead of it's it's cliche, but instead of going hundred percent, go hundred and ten. Um, yeah. you know, be the one that's gonna step up and score those goals when your team needs it. You know, be the guy that's gonna sacrifice the body in the defensive zone to uh to block a shot and and maybe make a game saving block the way that Marner did two years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, but it needs to be consistent. And I think that's that's where there's a lot of questions is is the consistency of leadership. Um, you know, you see Tavares leave the Islanders and all of a sudden, obviously, you know, the Islanders brought in some different personnel in, in Barry Trotz and, and you know, a, a couple of more defensive players, but all of a sudden the Islanders are a team that make it to the second round. You know, they're mm-hmm. a team that have had more success than the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, and and we can argue all 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 we want about you know is is Tavares the reason that they they became more successful once he left you know obviously Islanders fans are going to say that because they're they like to jump on on Tavares's back but until we see a different storyline how do we not go along with that same argument mm-hmm. and I guess that's where that's where I'm sitting right now is we I, I want to see more I want to see you know, the Matthews get, you know, 15 goals in a playoff run and, and have that success. Because at a certain point, these players are going to say enough's enough. I want to, I want a chance at a, at a, at a Stanley cup and, and go to a team that's got the potential to do it. Toronto has all the potential to do it. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And maybe they were missing that one or two pieces that got them over the hump. But now there's on paper, you are, you are an incredible team uh both yeah. offensively defensively you've got a stanley cup winner on your back end um two you have yeah you, you have two <laughs> you, have, you have the grizzled vets uh up front with joe thornton and, and jason spezza um and you have a legitimate goaltender who can stand on his head at certain points um in frederick anderson and he needs help in his defensive zone, and that's where the Leafs have lacked in the in the past few seasons. Is that, well, I shouldn't say few seasons since they've uh, last made a decent run in in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they don't have that breakout pass, that ability to stay calm in their own end and not give up the puck, and that's where that's where the mistakes are made. Um, so at a, at a certain point, you need that leadership leadership group to step up and say, guys, we need a, we need to change something here. Whether it's the system in the defensive zone, whether it's, you know, finding that confidence in your own end, um, or just leading by example, getting back and helping the defenseman out, um, you know, at, at some point something needs to change where we're no longer having the same conversation, and maybe we're talking about a different issue with the team, or or maybe we're not talking about an issue at all and just, you know, purely dumb bad luck. Uh, I. I you know, I'm just trying to figure it out here because I don't think that the leadership group is wrong. That said, I think we need a different narrative um, taking place on the ice for us to have that discussion and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, the right the right group is in place. Yeah, 
I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm spitballing here looking for answers and I just don't, I don't know if there is any sort of answer yet for us. I think if you want an answer, you look at the Tampa Bay lightning and what they accomplished. They weren't just all fully so focused on skill. And I think that because of after last season, after the record breaking regular season, they were thought on, okay, you know, the playoffs are going to be a breeze. Then they faced the Columbus Blue Jackets and they had a reality check. And I know Mark wrote an article about, you know, teams playing up against the Columbus Blue Jackets and having a reality check. Could this loss in the playing round, play round against the Columbus Blue Jackets be a reality check for everyone? Tavares, to Marner, to Nylander, even to Kyle Dubas. Reality sunk in and in a post uh, by Luke Fox on Sportsnet. He was saying that he undervalued it, and it was a mistake on his end. And the guys that he brought in have a sense of urgency. And I think that's what this team lacked. They had the skill. They didn't have the urgency. And I guess Tampa Bay had that. They had the skill, but at some points they didn't have the urgency. And I guess it caught up to them at that point to last year. This year, whole different story. They brought in players with a sense of urgency that could go in and be aggressive. Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau. Those kind of guys. My thing is, I know they brought in Jason Spezza. I know they brought in Jake Muzzin to try and help out with Morgan Riley to try and like, you know, help him out as well. Cause he was still pretty young. Jake Muzzin has the experience. Jason Spezza grizzled vet. Obviously that didn't seem enough. What if right now you still have Spezza focusing in on, you know, the young guys, um, Marner, Matthews, Nylander. And the main focus right now is having a former captain who didn't take nothing in Joe Thornton try and help get John Tavares out of that shell. Because he did seem a little bit reserved at times and didn't seem quite comfortable answering questions in the media last year. It was, it was pretty evident. And now you had TJ Brody focusing in on Morgan Riley, who played with Mark Giordano be that mentor that Giordano was for him to Riley. And now you have Jake Mosen focusing on possibly helping out Nico Lettinen coming over. I mean, granted, he is a little bit older, but first year in the NHL. Um, Rasmus Sandin still growing. Timothy Lilligren still growing. You, have, you now have multiple leadership uh, or players with leadership qualities taking on different uh, approaches, different... Um, tasks and jobs to try and help this team grow and i think that was what dubis wanted to try and do this year he had maybe he had one person focusing on too many things on a side thing again i don't know but if you have more vocal bodies more people willing to take on that role to help everyone out it's going to bring everybody together and i think that this is the right mindset right now by bringing in these bodies yeah and uh I, I, I do agree with you. I think um, I, th- I do think Joe Thornton is going to play that that big role in in the dress room as well as on the ice. Um, again, I just I wonder how many how many wake up calls they need, and and maybe Columbus was a wake up call this this off season for Dubas, and maybe that's what he needed. But I mean, you had the potential to win both series against Boston over the last couple of years. You had the potential mm-hmm. to beat Washington uh, a few years ago. Um, and it just seems like when this team gets into a bind where maybe they go, they lose a game uh, in a potential uh, 
take home uh, a fair, maybe, you know, they take that step back and don't come out stronger the following game. And I think that's where, for me, I'm like, you have the potential to move on. You, you've you been in that that position to do it before. What what's gonna what is it gonna take to get you over that hump? What kind of motivation do you need prior to the game to say, hey guys, this is a do or die game. This is, you know, we gotta take that next level. And for me, I look at I look at Tampa Bay and I see a guy like, you know, um Steven Stamkos coming out and playing a game where he had no business being on the ice. He yep. had absolutely no business being on the ice, but wearing that C, he's coming out and leading by example. Maybe he's not the loudest. Maybe he is. I, I, I don't know. I'm not in that dressing room, but mm-hmm. he's coming out and he's leading by example, getting on the ice, went out, scored a goal. Um, like I said, had no business being on that ice. All it did was mm-hmm. was re-aggravate what was already already a problem for him. And, you know, that team sees that and they, you know, they, they rally behind that. So maybe maybe Thornton's that guy that they can rally behind and say, hey, this guy's coming here because he believes in us. He believes that we can go on and win a cup here. Yeah. And 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 he's putting his all into it. Maybe we can put our all into it. Maybe they rally behind the fact that, hey, four straight years of, of you know, first round or play in exits and um, you know, enough's enough. And maybe maybe that's what they rally behind. I, I don't know. They but they have to find that rallying point and they have to they have to build from that. And that's got to be kind of their starting point. If you take a look at the four years that they've made the playoffs, including this year, the series against Washington, the two against Boston, this one against Columbus, they were all winnable series. Of your younger players intact. You lost out in game six to a really like heavily gifted off, uh, Washington Capitals team. They gave him a really good run for six games. If that game would have gone to seven, I think Toronto would have had the advantage because we knew about Washington's disappointments and how they failed previously in the past. And with a young team like Toronto, that would have helped out. Obviously, Roman Pollock about like whether he deserves to be on the NHL team or not, whatever. He was a difference maker in that series before he left the injury. And then Martin Mernson comes in. Second series against uh, Boston. Toronto was up going into third period. Blew that lead again. Shades of 2013. Sorry to bring that painful memory up, but it's a fact. The year after, you know, they had something going for them. And then all of a sudden, you have... You, they had a 2-1 lead at one point, if I believe. And then that just went away. The advantage was in Toronto's court. Everything was going their way. You had everything going your way this year after that overtime win where you came back with three goals in the last two minutes to tie that game up against Columbus. Gone. You need to find that momentum and carry that momentum consistently. And that, that to me, it's not – it is a leadership quality because, you know, you have, you have someone to be vocal about that. But at the same time, that's all psychological. If I'm too many times, like when I've been playing hockey, I like we're in a losing streak. I go out flying the next game and I give them my all to try and win. And not just me, but everybody else on my team, we ended up like winning quite a bit. So if me playing a meaningless, like, you know, beer league game or something like that can turn things around, it can turn around at the NHL level. Let me tell you that. 
you go in with the mindset that you come out that you're going to do well, you know the team's going to do well, it's going to work out in your favor. Some of this is, again, I said it before, it's all psychological and it can play a major factor. They can, they're taking what happened in the past and they're still fixating on the fact that, oh my God, we lost. You got to flip that around and flip the script. You got to say, we could have won that. We could have won that, those two series against Boston. We could have won that series against Columbus. This year, we are going to win. And it's it should take it shouldn't take. I mean, unfortunately, it's taking three more bodies that you need to sign in to come in and like let that uh, let that sink in. But maybe this is the wake up call that they needed. Maybe this is their chance right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, obviously, I think they're putting they're they're filling the spots they need. They they got that physical side. They got a guy like Wayne Simmons. They added Joe mm-hmm. Thornton. Um, they're, they're getting, you know, even a guy like Joey Anderson, who's, who's has that ability to play more of a physical side of the game. Yeah. And I think that's what they need. Um, and, and they filled the, they filled a the little bit of the gap on the, on the blue line, hopefully with, uh, you know, a guy like TJ Brody. Um, yeah. so I think, I think they've, they've done what they need to do now. Like you said, it's just coming down to, to motivation that the psychological side and knowing that they can get mm-hmm. it done and, and getting over those those past torments that they've had in, in, you know, playing Boston and, and playing Washington and, uh, you know, figuring it out and getting it done. And it just comes down to getting it done. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, obviously we'll see when this, this season does finally get underway. We'll see what the, this team's made of, but, uh, you know, until then, it, the conversation is going to be past failures. Uh, and, and the only way to wipe that clean is, is to, is to take that next step. Um, mm-hmm. And, and at, at a certain point, Toronto's got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, uh, obviously, we want to discuss the World Juniors and, uh, you know, Toronto's involvement in the World Juniors. And the fin- Finnish uh, team has named its preliminary roster. Uh, three three uh, Toronto prospects were named to the this uh, preliminary roster uh, obviously Miko Kokonen, uh defenseman playing for uh, Jukarit. Uh he's had uh, quite uh, quite a start to the to, to the year um, uh, and two players that we've we've talked about a little bit on this podcast before in, in Ronnie Hervinen and uh, Topi Niamela. Um so Good for the Leafs to see see those names obviously named to the uh, preliminary roster. The hope is is that they'll make the 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 club and get that uh, that much needed experience uh, internationally as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I I mean I think it's a it's a great uh, great aspect for the team to to see their prospects making these clubs, and um, I I think it's I think it'll be interesting to see what Finland can do. Uh, obviously with with some big names not on their their preliminary roster yeah i was kind of shocked to not see arurati on that roster i mean i guess you know not the season that he wanted in terms of like his draft year kind of a bit of a downward or time to have a down year it's not the right time but um i'm yeah, you really you there are ve- there are a lot of really great names on Finland's roster right now. I mean, you're looking at Brad Lambert. 
I mean, he's the first name that stands out. Well, sorry, second second name that stands out. First one is obviously Anton Lundell. I think he has the opportunity to be a captain on this team, and I think he's going to lead this team because he's been phenomenal, writes out, really, really good. And I'm actually kind of sad that Obviously, I'm happy with Rodin Amirov, and I said this before, but if they didn't get Amirov, I really wanted Anton Lundell to drop. Um, you got Kasper Simon Taival, who's, you know, a really good, speedy offensive player. Samuel Hellenis, who can be, you know, sort of like a third-line grinder kind of player. Hirvanen, Nimela, and Kokonen, obviously the Leaf prospects. But this is, a, this is, a, this is going to be a really competitive team. And... I'm really interested to see, obviously, you're going to be focusing on the Leaf prospects, but how this team does as a whole right now. Because, uh, I mean, kind of some, like, they had a disappointment last year in terms of, you know, not 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 getting to the expectation that they wanted. I know that Canada really um, came out flying in that semifinal match, but... It, this is this is a pretty good team, and the fact that you got Numella and Kokonen on the back end to try and be those defensive presence, uh, to be that to fill that defensive void, but Numella with his puck moving abilities, with him as a top four defenseman, possibly, I'm really to see him rise to the occasion and running here, Vinin. I mean, man, he's I I know we talked about him last week, and I'm going to probably repeat myself, but. There's everything to love about him, despite his size. He plays a big game. And the fact that he's going to be on this team right now, well, I'm not, it's not set in stone, but I think he has a very good chance to be on this team right now. It's, it's going to be really good. It's going to be good for his development, and I think Leafs fans can expect a lot out of all three of them right now. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned it, Atu Rati, kind of the, the guy uh, that was left off the roster um questions surrounding his his performance so far this season uh but that said i i do think as well that uh, finland's going to be a very competitive team this mm-hmm. year um obviously you know every team's kind of missing some key players Eklund we mentioned with sweden lafreniere with uh with canada so i mean i think it's still going to be an incredible uh tournament if and when it does get underway um yeah, I think, uh, t- like I said, to have to have Leaf prospects on these squads, like we named uh, a few with Russia last episode, and obviously Finland uh, this episode, to have the, yeah. those players kind of jump in and play at the international level, level, it's key to their development. It's key to the uh, the Toronto pipeline development. And uh, man, does Toronto ever have an interesting uh, prospect pool going forward? It's kind of shocking that we haven't talked about one player yet. I know, I know, we're so focused on like Rani Hirvonen, Nimela, um, Rodi Namirov, and Abramov on Russia, but we failed to talk about Nick Robertson on Team USA. Man, what is wrong with us? Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> I think it's part of it is just where he ended up in that that preliminary roster and where he's, uh, you know, maybe seated to go, and, and whether he even jumps in with uh with the u.s uh obviously if toronto's camp is underway he might not even be there yeah and that's that's the interesting thing too but if obviously um i'm looking at it this way i think maybe even if the season does start i think maybe toronto 
doesn't quite fit in just yet. Or maybe they're just giving him the opportunity so that way when he does come and play, if the season starts up, he's still going to be somewhat fresh coming off the World Junior Tournament, depending where, you know, the U.S. goes. Obviously, it's a tournament. We don't know what's going to happen because we expected them to make a deep run last year and they finished in six, I believe. So there's always that running in the back of your head. But the fact that, obviously, again, another top six performance this year, being a key player, I it's even possible that he could be on their top line right now. So no matter where he is, whether it's at the juniors or the least, it's going to go well for him. But I think maybe him going to the being on team USA's preliminary roster, I think it has something to do with the fact that they are going to let him play. And they probably wouldn't have done it if they didn't feel that he was not necessarily going to make the team. But I think that he's going to be probably seeing in a depth role right now maybe third or fourth line so might as well give him that ice time to be a top six player right now yeah and I almost wonder uh we talked about you know the Leafs and and what potential holes they have on that roster and and maybe he doesn't fit at this point in time he starts the year in the AHL and 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 that's why they allowed allowed uh, uh team USA to to pick him up right now and put him on the preliminary roster because maybe they know that moving forward, he's going to be a call up this year uh, rather than a guy that starts with the club. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's, that could be the potential as well. Um, just knowing what they've got in, in their roster at this point um, that, uh, you know, obviously we got to consider that as well. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a good move to have him there. I think it's going to be a great move if he can join uh, the U S for the world junior tournament. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, playing for your country always has that kind of extra edge to it. Um, you know, you're playing for pride. You're playing for for your country, as I mentioned. And uh, yeah, I just think it's it'd be a great opportunity for him to play at the international level again, and uh, you know, get maybe get, garner that little bit of extra experience experience uh, in his development. I was really excited to see him in that third line role when he got his first shift. I mean, he manhandled that one power play where he got four consecutive shots on net and then he scored his first NHL goal in the playoffs. I mean, despite, you know, again, kind of like the size that he has with Ronnie Hirvonen, smaller player, but he plays a big game. And I was really impressed with what he did in those four games that he played. Really, really happy with his impact. I mean, limited ice time, but... He went out and he didn't let anything get the best of him. And I think that I I still have him as a player to make this roster this year. I mean, he's very determined and nothing's going to stop him. And I think that's what's going to separate him. I mean, even if he does play in the World Juniors and he comes back, if he gets into that lineup and he has a good game, it's going to be hard to take him out. 100%. 100%. And... Obviously, he'll have to get that opportunity first, but mm-hmm. uh, I think I think you're you're spot on. I was frustrated that they even took him out uh, for for Game Five against Columbus. Yeah, uh, didn't like that move. Um, I think if he gets back into the Leafs lineup and he has a couple of good games, look for this guy to be uh, be a mainstay for the Leafs uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, Peter, that's uh, kind of all we've got for the week. As we mentioned, no guests this week. Uh, we'll have a couple guests, hopefully, for the next couple episodes moving forward. 
Um, yes. That said, I do want to mention, I'd be remiss uh, if I did not mention that uh, today for Canadians, it uh, it marks an anniversary for the uh, Montreal Massacre. Um, mm-hmm. It happened December 6, 1989. So we're, we're 31, 31 years deep uh, since, since that happened. And uh, for those who don't know, um, he, uh, the, the, the perpetrator, we won't mention his name, uh, shot, uh, nine women in, in a room at, uh, Ecole Polytechnique. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a dark, dark moment for, uh, for Canadians. And, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, uh, especially as we try to get into, um, you know, kind of talking about the importance in, uh, of of uh, women in sports, and uh, yeah, I I just I think it's it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned something that would like it shouldn't have happened. Like, let's be realistic; it should not have happened. But it shows you that you know we still got a long way to go as a society, and, and the fact that you know we're we're in a world right now where we want to try and highlight and bring to light the impact that women have had in our society right now it's it speaks volumes but we still got a long way to go and you know it, it's just something that you really can't forget no matter what it's it, you you mentioned it before you learn from the history i mean history repeats itself and you got to learn from that and this is something that we need to keep on learning and it's it's it was a tragic event and we still can't just put it at the back of our mind it happened but we still got to bring it to light let them know that women are here to stay they're here to make an impact and they're going to be there are going to be a lot of influential figures right now and in the future that are going to have an impact on us and they're going to be women and we got to respect that and we got to like it it just it's it's a shame it's a shame that that happened and again it's a shame that we still we got to bring it to light. It's uh, I, not making any sense right now because it's like, you know, having an impact on me, but it's, it's, it's tragic. We got to keep moving forward no matter what. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree with you in, in saying that, you know, we've got to highlight and celebrate the women in our lives. And, um, you know, anybody, like I said, anybody who doesn't know about uh, the, the Montreal massacre, please look it up, learn yeah. from it and uh understand that everyone is equal everyone is equal um and everybody deserves opportunity so uh in saying that we will close out episode 18 of sticks in the six with that um peter uh, obviously we are still looking forward to puck drop hopefully happening in january Mm -hmm. uh it looks more and more like it'll be mid-january as as uh you know the the players do not want to give up their their Christmas holidays, especially you know in a crazy crazy world right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know family's important, so um, you know enjoy the holiday season right now as we as we head towards Christmas or 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 Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. Um, you know enjoy the holiday season with your family. Yeah, keep those people close. Uh, respect the quarantine and, and and whatever color your city is right now. Um, London just became orange, so we're we're taking the steps needed to kind of fit into that. Um, but uh, yeah, episode 18 in the books. Thank you all for listening, as always. 
and uh, enjoy the week. Absolutely. Thank you and stay safe.